0: Door eleven Local Haunts, Part Two Radio Red veil Thanks, Tim, for the weather update and back on with the show. And we're delving into the ghostly postbag again, as promised. Ghostly postbag? Should that be ghost bag? Maybe. Anyhow, before I begin, and while I know you're all listening, here's an important message. Has anyone out there seen Raymond Montagu? He is a 14-year-old boy with sandy short hair and wears round glasses. Quite thin but tall for his age, 4'9". He was last seen on Monday evening and obviously we all want to find him. Often goes by just Ray and I'm told his school nickname is Blue. If you have any information contact Haggleton Police Station immediately. Or contact us here. And if you are listening to this Ray because we do know you enjoy the Friday night hot and heavy Rock Express show with Tony D please get in touch. You are not in any trouble matey. And you can get in touch with us here at the station in confidence, if that's what you prefer. People just want to know you're okay. Right then, folks, on with the show. You're listening to Mike Nelson, how we're going into the night. Now, with your generous contributions over the last few nights, we've been cataloguing the ghosts of Haggleton and Redvale. And we are well on course, I reckon, to challenge Pluckley in Kent for the title of Most Haunted Village. So far, we have a comfortable four, but 12 is the number to beat. So then, a quick recap for any new listeners tuning in. And I know there are more of you every night. So then, we have a spectral teacher at Provost School, Old Charlie, the resident poltergeist at the Brown Trout Pub, and a phantom cyclist on a penny farthing. This old gent dressed in tweeds has often been seen at sunset biking in various lanes around the edge of Fring and Haggleton. He sounds lovely, doesn't he, folks? I wouldn't mind seeing that one myself. And over at the Bokes Hotel on Clark Street, there is apparently the ghost of a serving lady still seen, which various listeners have described as a kindly-looking lady in Georgian dress. Right, how many is that, Producer Raquel? Four? Four. Right, yes. But we are hoping to bump that up a bit tonight. First up, though, we have a bit of a follow-up on an earlier story, which I reckon might get us to five. Last Thursday, on the very first show we dipped into the ghostly postbag, we had a letter from a lady called Susie, and she told us about a house she lived in with something spooky going on in the attic room. Well now, we've had three more letters concerning that same property and all three report very similar ghostly goings-on. For example, a gentleman who's asked to remain anonymous wrote in and had this to say Dear Mr Nelson, I believe I resided at the same house for a short time. I first realised there was something amiss when I moved in and neither of my cats would venture near the top floor. Soon we were suffering with strange noises in the attic and then came that intolerable smell. We did not stay long after that. So there we are, gang. But there's more. Another former resident, a lady by the name of Judy, wrote and told us what happened when she rented the place for a while. Dear Mike, the attic room was a nightmare. We used it for storage at first, spare bedding and whatnot. But you could not leave anything in there. Because after a while, you'd find things were shredded or chewed. The letting agent tried to claim it was rats, but the teeth marks were clearly human, or at least human size, and rats don't make a sound like dragging chains. Well, how about that then? Now our third letter comes once again from a listener who does not wish to be identified on the air. Yes, do you remember, folks? If you have a story, we will take it seriously and we will respect your privacy. Anyhow, our third letter isn't from a former resident, but somebody who used to walk past the house in question more or less every day. And they wrote, Dear Mike, I believe I know the house Susie referred to. Several years ago, I used to take my dog on a walk past that house. It was often empty, and I can attest that no one seemed to stay there very long. I used to wonder about that at least until one evening. Me and Jock, my little Yorkie, had been out for a late afternoon jaunt to the park and we were heading home at sunset. This was late November, so about four o'clock-ish. There was a beautiful sunset that day and the old Victorian houses looked a treat. However, as I was admiring the view, I spotted movement at one of the upper windows and saw a horrid little face leering down at me. At first... I assumed it was some grubby-looking child in a mask, probably left over from Halloween. But then, the odd figure seemed to become aware that I could see it, and it broke into a hungry grin, and I realised that that inhuman face was flesh. And then, it just melted away, just vanished. I was very shocked, but also somewhat relieved, and I headed home very swiftly. I... Avoided that street from then on. I'm not surprised, sir. Deary me. But thank you, sir, for sharing that. So then, a Victorian house with an unpleasant something lurking in the attic. Well, you can see why the estate agents don't want me to name the street it's on now, can't you? And how does old Mikey know that all these good people are talking about the same house? Well, although Susie included all the details in her letter, I didn't read out the full address on air. However, our three correspondents all gave the correct location and house number. So, I'm counting that as our number five. Anyhow, on with the show and time for a tune. Here's a new one called, appropriately enough, Dog Day Afternoon.